On this episode, I interview Paloma Ortiz, also known as Paloma is Cool on Instagram. Paloma is a teacher and ultra runner. She has run 13 ultras, including a 100 miler, four 100 Ks, four 50 milers, and four 50 Ks. Within two years, Paloma has also podium races such as Kodiak 100K, Cuyamaca 100K, Noble Canyon 50K, Harding Hustle 50K, and Firefest Ultra 50 Miler. She has also run the Backbone Trail in one day and the famous Grand Canyon Rim to Rim to Rim in one day. On this episode, we talk about her ultra running journey, how she endures pain through racing, racing Cuyamaca 100K, tips on running 100k, how hard work pays off, and Latinas in our trail running community. Welcome to the She Runs Trails podcast. I am your host, Elements of Daisy. I am an ultra runner and endurance mindset coach. If you're new here, hello there. In this podcast, I interview other female trail runners in hopes to educate, empower, and inspire more women to run on the trails. If you're a returning listener, and have been enjoying the podcast, it would really mean a lot to me if you can rate and leave a review in whichever platform you're listening to this episode. If you would like to support the podcast and help it keep it ad-free, please consider donating as low as a dollar to the podcast. You can donate through the Anchor account. The link is in the show notes. This will really help me. Thank you so much for your support. Let's get into the show. Paloma is killing it in the sport, so welcome, Paloma, to the podcast. You make me sound so great. You are great. You're awesome. Um, can everyone hear me well? I just hear have an echo. I just want to make sure I'm good. Do you hear me well, Paloma? I can hear you well, yes. Okay, okay. So I'll, we'll go based on that. So let's see. So how, tell us, how did you get into ultra running? Um, I think so. I started, I've been running for a really long time. I ran cross country in high school. I ran track in high school. Um, I ran half marathons for a while and I even signed up for like a marathon. So I ran, um, I ran a marathon back in like 2019. Um, but I think what really got me into ultra running was my first trip to the Grand Canyon and I did rim to rim. So I did the, south kebab to north kebab and um i just the minute i was there i knew i wanted to come back and do the and go back and forth because it wasn't about like the endurance right it was just about being and spending time with the grand canyon and like i tell my husband all the time i'm like when i die like i know you're not legally allowed to do it but you're gonna have to like toss me in there a little bit like <laughs> low key like, boop, boop. <laughs> so, like exactly exactly oh no i accidentally i brought my wife to the grand canyon one last time and she fell you know <laughs> so yeah and this was back in 2020 Mm-hmm. This was back in 2020, um, October 2020, and I vowed to myself that year, I was like, next year I'm coming back and I'm doing the whole thing. And that's, it wasn't about like a race or a 50K, it was just about being able to go back and spend time um, 
for more than, I mean, it took us eight hours, but it wasn't enough time for me, you know? So yeah, just spend more time with the Grand Canyon. How, how, how did you get into doing your first 50K? Like what, what initiated that first 50K? Um, well, so one of my really good friends, my best friend, Jen, she um, was running her 50 miler um, and she had trained for it and it was during COVID and it got canceled, right? And so um, Aravaipa was still doing races, right? So then we decided, okay, well, we're going to go over and you're going to do this 50 miler. Um, and I wanted to pace her, but then they only let us pace for like eight miles. And I was like, nah, I'll just run the 50K because we were already trained for it. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was like, I might as well do it. So, yeah. And just, when you ran it, did you realize you're like, pretty good at it like oh this is actually something i can excel in um you know what's funny is the first time i i ran it like i didn't think i was that great at it and like i was i was just having such a good time like i didn't even like i felt good that day it was like it wasn't anything that I specifically trained for. Like, I didn't like do this, like, oh, I have this training plan. Like, I just kind of went out and I was like, well, I could do it. And so I did it and I had a really good time. At, it was so fun at the end of the race because I'm just a friendly person. I would say hi to everyone and be like, oh my God, you're doing a good job. Oh my God, you look amazing. And like, we'd like teeter totter, right? And I'd be like, oh my God, like go in front of me. You're not supposed to be behind me. Get up, go, go, go. And so by the end of the race, like everyone was coming up to me and be like, oh my God, you did so good. Oh my God, you had such great energy. Good job. And like um, the people that I was there with, they're like, do you know these people? And I was like, no, I just like met them. Yeah, like they're really cool. And then like I knew their names. I don't remember their names now, but like I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's Justin, and that's that's the so and so, and that's so and so. And like I just ended up being friends with everyone on that trail that day, and spending so much time with people who love the same thing as me. You know? Is there any lessons that that race, your first ultra, kind of taught you, or you wish you knew going into your first ultra? Now you know you look back and you're like, oh, that wasn't such a smart thing to do. Well, what's funny is like, so I learned a lot more from the Grand Canyon than I did my first ultra. Um, the first ultra I did really well, and I did really well with my, like my hydration and my food and stuff. But that was because um, when I was in the Grand Canyon a month and a half earlier, right, I um, got terrible cramps. And I was like, and I, didn't, I had never had a Charlie horse before in my entire life. And that was the first time I ever had one, like at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Or not at the bottom, like going up, going up North Rim, right? And um, I was literally at one point in my head, I was like, just leave me here. Like, <laughs> I'm okay. Like, and like, everyone was like, oh my God, like, we're not going to make it. We're going to miss that bus. And I was like, go like leave me down here i will die down here helicopter me out someone tell their goodbyes to my husband like and it was just a cramp so it wasn't that big of a deal but i had no idea um i had no idea about salt right i had no idea about like eating right and i, I just i didn't have all of those skills that i have now um so definitely the lesson in the Grand Canyon helped on the first time over in, at my first 50K, so. 
How did you get through the cramping? Like, eventually, I'm, I'm sure you made it out of the canyon because you're here now. Um, who knows? <laughs> it's all be simulation, you know? <laughs> um, um, no, so I literally was cramping doing this whole Charlie horse thing. My foot, so your foot is normally, okay, let's say, like, your foot is, like, normal like this. And my foot was just, like, creeping up, like, going like that. Like, it, it's, like, did an exorcism. Um, like, <laughs> turning the whole way around. And um, I look at my my friend, and she's like, it's not that bad. I'm like, She's like it's not that bad. Like, just, just kind of like, let me just massage out a little bit. You're fine. You're fine. Like, just go a little slower. It's not that bad. And I'm like, literally thinking in my head, like, this is like really bad pain. But if she says that it doesn't look that bad, and it must be, I mean, I was so total gullible. Like, it must be not that bad. You know, like, I just throwing my huge tantrum right now being extra dramatic like extra fiery like I always am you know <laughs> and so I was like okay fine so then I just like took some salt someone told me to take some salt I took some sugar and I walked up the rest of the Grand Canyon completely fine so yeah and now after doing 13 ultra marathons do you feel that saying when someone tells you oh, it's not that bad do you realize that's just a way to get you to push a little much further, even if your leg is like halfway out already. <laughs> I am so gullible. Like, where's this one? Okay, so like, there's this whole idea where, like, because I still get cramps, and I've learned that cramps, even you could have be on top of your hydration, you could be on top of your salt. Like, cramps are a part of fatigue, right? You're pushing, mm -hmm. and especially for me, like, I'm pushing my body to that next level, and I'm going faster than I normally go and just all of those things. Um, so my coach, Jose, or my old coach, he's like, he's more like my mindset coach right now. But <laughs> yeah, he's basically like, um, I was running ABC 50 at the end, and I was cramping. And he's like, you need to go faster. And I said, No, I can't. I'm cramping. And he says, well, you need to go faster, just ignore it. And like that literally had never like popped into my head before. Like, oh, just fucking ignore it. Like it doesn't matter. So I did that and I ended up going faster. Um, but like, it's literally like those silly things that people tell you, like you just, you're, you believe it because you're such in this, it's beautiful. You're in this vulnerable state that like, you just believe everything that people tell you. So. What else has helped you kind of to endure pain or to push through pain? Because you've, you've allowed yourself to really get uncomfortable to get, like, you know, in places such as, like, second place on a 100K race, like, you know, Big Bear, um, Kodiak, or Cuyamaca. Um, I think the – it's very – I mean, I'm – I learn, you learn a lot about yourself when you're in that vulnerable state, right? So you learn if you're like moody or if you're like just a, a tantrumer or like if you, so I've learned a lot that I like wear my heart on my sleeve, right? Like my feelings are just like, they're my, you can always see how I'm feeling, especially when I'm at that point. So I kind of take that and I just, just like, this is what I'm feeling right now. This is where I'm at right now. And it's okay to be like this and just embrace it. 
And a lot of the times I'll tell myself, like, you're, you're strong. You're like all that self-talk that you do, like you're strong. You can do this. Um, in my head, I call myself baby girl. So uh, I'm just like very sweet and nice to myself. And, um, I'm just, and a lot of times like my pacers, uh, this last race, Cuyamaca, um, the saying was, uh, this is hard, but you can do hard things. Mm-hmm. So it's just all that self-talk, those new phrases that you come up with every single race, because not every phrase will work every single time. So there's a question here. What kind of running plan do you follow for your long races? Uh, running plan, like uh, like like training or like just plan like during the race? Uh I'm I guess thinking- let's, let's go train. Let's go training. Like, what is? Do you have a? I, I of course it'll be different. A hundred k, fifty miler, and a fifty k. But it seems like you really thrive in that one hundred k distance. Like, what? What's? Do you? Do you feel like you kind of nailed the strategy down for that distance? I think this last one really affirmed that I have this strategy nailed down. You know, the first two are hard, and you don't really know what you're doing, and then the next two you're kind of like okay like I can do this and like even like through like doing the backbone and stuff like you you learn these different strategies but I think for my 100k doesn't my plan um like for training I usually try and follow well Kodiak I trained for this past year at Kodiak and it was for three weeks I was trying to hit that 60 mile mark and then um for two of the weeks i was trying to hit that 60 mile mark plus at least 13 k of gain um i'm very well trained so i don't have to put like i don't have to put a lot of miles in but i do have to put a lot of like climbing in because climbing's always hard and climbing's a strategy that you're never, I mean, I feel like I'm never going to master just, but yeah, those are my plans is like about for about three weeks. So I would say eight weeks out, right? Two months before you start that three week process and then you slowly start tapering. Do you do anything else besides running? Any like speed work, strength training, recovery? Um, I do a tempo run every Thursday uh, with CCR. I do on Tuesdays, I switch between um, either doing a track workout or hill repeats or or intervals. So I usually do two really hard workouts um, every week, whether it's the tempo or the speed or the hill repeats. And then the rest of the time, um, I kind of just either run like higher, like higher easy miles or lower easy miles, depending on how my body feels that, that day. So. Do do you do you ever catch yourself like I want to experiment experiment and do different things with your training, especially now that you have more experience? Like you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna like do more, do less, or try something different. Do you ever get that itch of just changing things around? Um, after Kodiak, I kind of wanted to take a, a little bit of a break. I mean, I still do the like harder stuff but right now i don't know i have this focus on getting faster um so my miles have definitely gone down not significantly but they they went from like 70 mile weeks to like 50 um 
and like a lot of it not a lot of it but like there is still two really hard workouts um every single day or every single week um so and then i've been kind of like doing more strength workouts i really like doing some strength workouts they're really fun so how, how much strength training do you do um depends i started off with 20 minutes a week two time or 20 minutes a week 20 minutes two times per week um and i've slowly increased that to uh 40 minutes two times a week um and i always do it on my hard days so i so i do uh either a tempo run then a strength workout or um a speed workout or a track workout hill workout um and then a and then a strength workout it's usually like those hard days where you're supposed to get in that strength and then the rest of them are should should be easy so to allow your body to recover there's another question here how do you train to pr every time do, what do you feel has really contributed to your speed and your performance paloma i don't train to pr every time that's the thing it's funny because someone was like you're like even this past one people someone was like you're gonna pr you're gonna podium right you're gonna podium you're gonna pr and i'm like you know what i'm just here to spend time with my mountains i'm here to spend time with my with nature and then um and i tell that to everyone and then when i get in there i get psycho and i'm like i need to go fast uh, <laughs> but most i don't i I mean, I guess I train and I do those speed workouts, but my mindset going into a race is never to PR. It's to get the best out of that race at that moment and where I'm at and with my body. So at what point does the competitiveness kicks in? Is it like right at the starting line or, at, or like at a certain point in a race, he's like, oh, shoot, I'm like top five or top three and you kind of hit the next gear and start racing essentially it kicks in when i see everyone else's ability mm -hmm. um so if i am like if i can if i see someone and i and i like pinpoint their weakness because i have a really good way of like doing that is like um and then if i can see that i could beat them or if i see that they um that I, I feel like i don't know i just get like a vibe you know like you just gotta sometimes you get a good vibe sometimes you get a bad vibe like you just gotta go and see what's going on and then i'm like you know what this vibe is me winning um so then i'm like okay i'm going for it mm -hmm. <laughs> so it really just depends on who's there right every podium depends on who's there and who you're racing um some of my best races I had, I didn't even podium. So th there's something to say about that, you know? Do you catch yourself kind of, you know, the woman community is so small and I'm sure like the top runners are so small. Do you catch yourself kind of racing against the same woman and you kind of already know, it's kind of like boxing or other sports, you kind of know your competitors way of running like oh i ran with her before she's gonna go strong or she's a, she's a smart runner i gotta be careful or something like that you know what's funny is like i actually did that at koyamaka so at koyamaka i mean i wrote a whole post on it about Stra in strava where i actually did get lost at koyamaka i ran an extra two miles um because i wanted to keep things interesting you know like i, I mean like <laughs> 
<laughs> like sometimes you just can't win a race right out, right? Like you got, you gotta just go off and really like tell people, you know what? Like I'm I'm gonna come in with this comeback. <laughs> Um, no, not, that's not how it went, but like <laughs> pretend like it was like that, you know? Um, so I'm in, I'm in third place, right? I'm, I'm pissed off. I'm even fourth for a second, right? And I'm so angry. Um, and I keep going and this fourth place girl is behind me and I know her because I raced her at Harding Hustle and we did the same thing. So she was in front of me and she's a better climber than I am. So she was in front of me on the climbs, but I was like, I know her weakness. She is not a good downhill runner. She can't handle these rocks. So every time I got, I got near a rock or I got downhill, I was like running for my life. Like I'm just like going, going so fast. And then um, the last six miles, I, like, didn't look back. I'm like, I'm not looking back. I know her weakness. I know what I can do. And I was just sprinting the entire last six miles. And I was in so much pain. Like, that was that was probably one of the most painful races that I've had to do um, because, because I was sprinting the mile 60 but I was sprinting at mile 63 and I wasn't even supposed to be by at mile 63. You know, I wasn't supposed to be running at that point, but I did because, you know, I just, um, Oktoberfest, I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I actually, that, one of the reasons why I got second place at Koyamaka was because I, I knew the girl that was behind me and I, I knew her weaknesses. So let's talk about Kuyamaka since we're on the topic of Kuyamaka so let's go through that race you were doing well what happened at what point did you get lost how was that race leading up to that point that you got lost so I started off really conservative at Kuyamaka um I was like for some in my mind I looked at so I looked at ultra sign up, right? And I know ultra sign up doesn't really mean anything, right? But I just looked to like see, like I'm like, oh, where, like what, what's going on? It put me at like tenth place, right? Um, tenth female. So I was like, oh, I don't have a chance. Like I'm just gonna go out and have fun, you know? Um, and so I invited, like, I invited one of my friends to come and crew me, and I was like, okay, like this is just gonna be a fun, good, like feel good race, you know, like n no pressure, right? And then I get there and um, I start off very conservative because I thought I was going to be in 10th place. So I'm like, I'm just going to go for time. In my head, I was thinking I was going to run 15 hours because I had never, my fastest 100K was 16 hours at Kodiak, you know. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, like this is a little easier, take an hour off time. Um, and then I got to the peak and I knew that, the, I got to the bottom of the peak. I knew that I was going to go all out on the bottom of the peak like that was my strategy like i it's not like i didn't like i know how to go up and then recover so i had the strategy of um going faster so then i start climbing and slowly i take these girls off of um off of my like place you know and then i get to the top and i start going back down and I didn't see any of them. So like, there's this point where you go up to the top and then you go back down. Um, and that's probably about a mile total, right? So like, I didn't see any of the girls that I passed. So I was like, okay, I must have a pretty good lead, at least 10 minutes in front of anyone. Um, I didn't see the first place girl cause she was 
way ahead of me. Um, but then, so that's where I gained. So it was around, probably around like mile 15 where I came in, where I started going in second, um, went back down. I kept it all the way till mile 40. And then at mile 40, I got lost and I did a wrong turn. I was just kind of in the mode. I was looking down. Um, I, I don't think it was really anyone's fault but my own. It, I did catch a few other people coming and I was like, hey, you're going the wrong way. Like, let's go back. Um, the, there was a flag and I did see that flag, except the second flag was hidden behind the tree. It wasn't clear right so it was just like thing. do i turn do i not turn and if i would have stopped and looked maybe i would have seen it but i was i kept going um so then i lost and then i came back down i was just in this uh how did you notice place. you were lost like what what made you realize you were going the wrong way um i got and looked at the map and i was like mm. I don't think I'm supposed to be going up. I was going uphill. And I was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be going up anymore. So I took out my map and I was like, oh, that's why it's probably better. I need to change my watch. That's a strategy that I need to use. <laughs> I don't, not that I have a Jeep watch. I, I, it's just, I have a very basic watch that doesn't have maps, doesn't like, can't navigate, you know, like it's just a very basic, um, watch so then i turn back around um i get back in and i'm like pissed and i'm like how far is this girl in front of me and they're like she's about 20 minutes in front of you and i was like and then i had fourth place right on my tail right and i was like oh crap um <laughs> and i had never thrown like i I don't, I'm like, I'd like to pretend that I'm like super chill, but like, I'm, I definitely wasn't chill. Like, it definitely went from like chill vibes only to like freaking Mariah Carey over here. Um, and then so I decide that I'm going to throw a tantrum and my pacer is like, we can do it. Don't worry. Like, we got this. We got this. And we just kept going and we kept going and we had, I, I knew the girl behind me kept using me as a as a pacer. She was like looking, she wanted that, she wanted that podium too. She had that in her mind. Um, but I I I know that she was good, but I also knew that I was better. Um and so I just kept going and going and those last I caught second place, uh mile sixty and mile sixty-two for me. <laughs> I caught her and I I was just I sprinted and and we had an uphill and I was still I looked at my watch we were going eight minute miles that's this uphill like mile 63 for me you know and so I just kept going and going and I finally like when I passed her like I found that piece I found that like you really worked hard and you worked and that was probably i would say like my second best race because i know i worked so hard and i i went up there and i got the second place and i cried at the end because it was just so like it was it was so hard it was so hard to do that so edgar said paloma is not not chill <laughs> <laughs> well, 
seen I see you. I remember seeing you for the first time in that element at um PCT fifty miler. And I this is my first time we see you like in that race element. And yeah, you're very like joy and happy, but you're also very like like that game face, like it's on, right? Like you're just like you're good. You think I, I don't know, I haven't seen you I, maybe because I ran that much, but I haven't really seen you like in a really negative state. You usually stay very positive. You have this high energy, but you're very focused. And I remember seeing you sprinting at the end. You were just like game on. Like you wanted to puke when you crossed that finish line. What what helps, like what inspires you or what motivates you to push yourself that way? Like to really get uncomfortable. What's What's your motivation? Um. Well, my friend Shambra says that if you don't feel like puking, you're not doing it right. Um, and I have that in my head. Like that's that's another saying that I'm like, okay, if you don't feel like puking, then you're not going hard enough. Um, <laughs> and I think what kind of motivates me to like um, go that much faster is you do it in training too, right? Like so you. Um, like one of my one of the things that we did today in my hill workout, I did some hill repeats. So we get to the top of the hill and you're freaking exhausted, right? But you still sprint another twenty seconds because you can, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like you practice that in training, and then you're able to do that at race time, right? So when you're at, like, that's the idea is like when you're at your most vulnerable, when you don't think that you can do any more, you do 10 more, you know? So like, that's kind of what keeps me going is like, okay, I'm at the worst, but I can do more, so. And what's your motivation to like, get out the door and to actually train? Like what, 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 what's your why? Why do you run? Why do you do ultras? Um, the motivation to get out the door depends on, is different every single day. Um, sometimes like Saturday, okay, Saturdays are great because I'm like long run, boop, I'm awake, like 3 a.m. can't come fast enough for me. Um, and, um, so like those are like motivation for long runs are fun because it's either in the mountains or it's either like with friends. It just depends. Um like on what Saturday it is. Um, for during the week, I actually, so like I actually really enjoy those those structured focused workouts. Um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the teacher in me, um, but it's like, okay, like you're gonna do this amount of hills. This is what you have to do on like this day or like during track, like you're doing like, four eight hundreds right and then you're doing a oh, 400 you know so it just depends like i really get excited for those structured ones um and then the unstructured ones are the ones that are hard so then those are like okay like i'm gonna get to run with my dog today you know or i get to listen to music today um, or I get to see the sunrise or i get to see the sunset so those are just different things um that motivate me um, to get up every single day. And my why is like for running ultras is spending time with nature, like spending time. It doesn't, at the end of the day, those podiums don't matter. At the end of the day, like 
nothing matters except that you're spending time in a place that you love with people who love the same thing that you love. So that's I, I, I love it. You have like this two side, you have this like very competitive, like hard work, like work hard, like play hard, work hard, but play more harder, right? Like have fun, like smile harder, but put the work in, have the grit, but also enjoy it. Like you have this like balance between like, train hard so you could do well but also have fun and smile and enjoy the ride be present enjoy nature um, and i think that's a healthy way to look at things because sometimes we get caught up too much so much we're like oh my god i need to push 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 hard train hard and then that can lead to overtraining syndrome fatigue mentally physically and all these different aspects um disco said here one of my favorite things about paloma is that she's raw genuine and just all about all out fun. I definitely have a potty mouth when I'm running. Like, like, and I talk a lot about poop. Like, <laughs> like I cannot get through a run with someone without talking about my bowel movement. Well, well, I remember you went live when you were doing your hundred miler, and I never seen that side of you where you were just like, nope. But you needed to like go alive to kind of like get that push but you were really like like fuck this shit i'm not running anymore <laughs> that was like pooping a cactus too i was like i told everyone i was like okay guys like uh, i pooped in a cactus <laughs> and i didn't know it was a cactus but i pooped on a cactus great <laughs> That's that's so how do you go about picking your races? Do you have like do you just go based on what's around? You did Mount Hood, which is not a local race, and that's a very hard fifty miler. Um, but how do you go about picking your races? Um I feel like every time it's it's different for my reasons. Like Cuyamaca, I, I paced last year at Cuyamaca and I had such a great time pacing and I, I know it's a local race and everyone has just so much fun doing it that that was one of the reasons why I picked it um Kodiak I loved it the first year I did it and the first year I did it I I did it because I love mountains and I like was my goal was to finish Kodiak you know um and so like every every time I pick a race it, it's a little different I've been trying lately I've been I did so I mean I've been doing local races right um but my next few races are not necessarily going to be local i mean i guess ray miller is kind of local i did it last year and i loved it because i love climbing right um it's the weakness that it, it's always the weakness that you love right <laughs> it's always the it's like a it's like a um I don't know, like that relationship that you're in when you're like 19, like it's so hard, but you still love it anyways. Um, <laughs> and then, um, but like next year I'm doing Canyons 100. Um, and that's one of those races where it's a, it's a mountain race, right? And it's something that scares me. And so I wanted to do it uh, because it looked hard and my goal is to finish, right? Um, and then I also got on the list or volunteering, you get on that list for AC 100. Um, so I got an email from the, um, from the, what is it? The aid station person. And he's like, I get to pick one person, um, 
do you, you want to run it next year? And I said, yes, I do. He's like, okay, I'll tell the race director. So I'm in, I'm like in the plans. I haven't actually registered yet, but I am in the plans to run AC 100 next year. And that is in the mountains and it's absolutely beautiful. So like, those are the two main ones that I'm focusing on for next year. But when is Canyons? Canyons is April 28th. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so it's good. Ray Miller will be a training run for for canyons, right? Yes, yes. I have um I also have Sean O'Brien hundred K. Um, so I'm doing that. That's kind of a training run and then it's just all so after you know what? After like after January it's game on. Like no more no more fun speed workouts. <laughs> Do you I know you you mentioned having a coach. You had a coach for your 100 miler. Do you pick coach for specific races or do you kind of just, it's just based on your goals, your personal goals, whether or not you decide to get a coach? Um, I, I mean, I'm in the like mindset of getting a coach for canyons. I'm not sure quite yet what my plan is. Um, but it's mainly those things that I'm scared of that I don't really know how to, uh, to go. Like, I don't know the plan of attack. Like, 100K, I know plan of attack. 50 mile, I know plan of attack. 50K is, like, a like plan of attack is easy. Um, it's those things that I'm scared of that I don't really understand where I'd like someone who at least understands it or can even, like, grasp it to kind of teach me those things. Because we're never, like, we're, we're never fully, like, I don't know, proficient at our sport. So, yeah, there's always room to grow and opportunity for to improve, right? And the more you can learn strategies and techniques to be more efficient, it helps. It really does help. Yes. Yes. Um, what is your favorite distance? I know we kind of talked a little bit about the race, but what is your favorite distance to race? 5K. No. <laughs> miler because i was like oh you can have dinner um and now it's 100k because now i'm like oh i can have dinner <laughs> like it's only because i worked for it and it, it's a little faster for me now but um before it wasn't it wasn't like that like there was no dinner involved in 100k but now there is dinner involved in 100k so now it's my favorite one so yeah <laughs> what what do you feel has like if someone's training for their first 100k what advice would you give them um i would say my best advice is don't take yourself too seriously right and enjoy it and just kind of be open to learn new lessons because you're gonna learn a lot um every time every time that you run a different every race is a learning like there's a learning curve to it right so i think you have to go into that race being ready for it to kick your ass and then 
you take that lesson and you learn from it and you go on to the next one and you take those lessons from from that 100k and you put it on to the next one because everyone says they're only going to do 100k and i literally crossed the finish line at black canyon and i'm like i'm never fucking doing this shit again and <laughs> i literally took the bus buckle because black canyon gives you a buckle i took the buckle and i told the lady i was like this was dumb and then i walked away <laughs> um, and then i did another 100k so within that same year so my and you got second place. And you got second place. <laughs> that was that was a fun. That was that was a weird like cuz I crossed the finish line and I was like nobody told me I was in second place so the last five miles. I wasn't racing. If someone would have told me maybe I would have gotten first place. <laughs> Hello. Not I literally stopped at the aid station and I was a little delirious and I start like asking people about like their lives right i'm like oh hey like how's your kids like and then i was like a whole comedy show so i was like telling like jokes to people like really bad jokes too and i, I was like and then they're like this girl comes in and they're like oh you know she's in third place and i was like well so where does that leave me and they're like you better get out of here i was like oh shit <laughs> okay bye <laughs> that's funny um so the 100k is usually the first distance where people get to have a crew get to have a pacer i feel like not that many 50 milers have that opportunity what advice will you give to someone like when they're looking for pacers or looking to get a crew like what has helped you what were some lessons you've learned like okay these are certain things you need to consider when getting a pacer crew members what advice would you give to that person because i think the 100k a lot of people may not be prepared because of that yeah i think um find someone that knows what they're doing uh find someone that has ran 100k before um with your pacer uh make sure that they are your friend because like i mean i i personally like having my friends because i um I'm known to like throw tantrums. So like <laughs> if I'm throwing a tantrum, like I hope that afterwards you understand that I'm not such a pain in the ass normally. <laughs> or maybe I normally am, who knows? Um <laughs> but yeah, I just like find your friend that can really understand you on a deeper level. Um and find your crew that has ran hundred K before, knows what they're doing. Um and keep it small. Don't like i loved having only two people um for my 100k right obviously 100 miler you need three to four people right but keep it keep it to a minimum don't don't invite everyone don't invite your mom i mean it kind of if your mom likes you then yeah but like don't like have the whole family just keep it straight like one to two people and that's it or one to four people for 100 mile and that's it so do you do you feel have you ever had a pacer you don't have to name any names but you ever had a pacer where you're just like okay i can't have a pacer that either like talks too much doesn't talk too much or you know takes off and left you or you know did, wasn't prepared or any scenarios the cases where you're just like yeah okay now i learned that the hard way but you know yeah. you don't have to name names <laughs> Um, 
everyone that comes out for you, like, ultimately, like, and I've been a pacer before, and, like, those kind words are really helpful, and they're amazing. Uh, ultimately, you have to know that you're doing the work, right? And so, like, you have to really believe in yourself, and if you believe in yourself, your your pacer will help, me, help you. Um, the pacer that I dropped, right, won't name any names, um, he overheated and I, and, and at that distance, I didn't really need a pacer and I've done races without, I've done hundred Ks without pacers. Right. So like I knew what I needed to do. Um, yeah. And I think that like, ultimately you just have to believe in yourself. So like, if you do have a terrible pacer or if your pacer is not the, isn't, is not living up to the standard that you need them to do, just know that you did the work know that like just just keep going and take that lesson so there's a question here are you are poles worth using i love poles i have a i have a set of pink poles um <laughs> And they are absolutely beautiful. And I paid like $200 for them. Um, so yes, I do use them. They're worth using because they're $200. Like look at the price tag. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I actually did not use poles at Koyamaka. Um, I use poles at Kodiak. It, it really just depends on the amount of gain per mileage right so like if you're running a 50k with 4,000 feet of gain i'm not i'm not using poles i ran the 100k with 8,000 feet of gain i'm not using poles um if i'm running 100k with 11,000 feet of gain i'll take those um if i canyons i'm gonna use poles right um ray miller i'll probably use poles in one section that i i know the section that i'm going to use it in um you know so just be strategic with your poles and know how to use them and get a quiver because the worst you can do is just put it in your back and be done with it so yeah I, I'm a, I love poles okay. I actually use poles when I don't even supposed to be using poles just because I love them so much I'm actually the opposite where I need to practice not using them because I just I love them and like when you put them in the quiver you don't even feel them you don't even it's kind of like it doesn't hurt to carry them that's what I always say yeah yeah no it doesn't hurt it, it, they're, and they're like so light so yeah they're definitely like if you feel like if if they're gonna be your security blanket then bring them i always use them in recovery as well so i use the poles during recovery um i use poles because i paid 200 dollars for them so yeah and they're pink right <laughs> they're pink <laughs> they're beautiful i'm not sure you noticed but i wear i know it's not like pink pink but it's kind of peach pink peach <laughs> like really like uh like called me out over there man <laughs> so i had to make sure i represented the the pink the yes. pink love over here what what so you've done 13 ultras what are some of the lessons you've had to learn the hard way and you know you wish you know we all learn go through so no matter how well trained you are how much experience you have and you probably have more lessons to learn 
Well, what are some lessons that you've learned that maybe by you sharing your experience and can help someone who's just getting into ultra running and they don't have to go through the same issues you went through? Um, I think every race teaches you a different lesson depending on how your body feels, right? Um, I This year was a lot of racing and I've learned something different from every single race that I've done. Um, I think one of the best races that I did this year was Mount Hood 50 miler. Um, and there was, my goal was a 10 hour, like 10, 30 or something like that. Right. And my, that was my goal. Um, I had previously done a 1045. So I was like, okay, like 1030, like it was similar amount of gain. Right. So I thought, okay, like that's my goal. Um, and I started off conservative, like I always do. And then at the end, I just pulled everything. I pulled everything out of me. Um, and I ended up doing a 930, which is like something that I didn't even know that I was capable of, right? Like I thought that that, that was almost like, that was a goal for me that was like two years, like ahead of its time. You know, like I was like, okay, like a year I'll, I'll break, I'll start going into the nines. Right. And I, I did it and it still had like 5,000 feet of gain. So it wasn't like a hard one so at that race i learned that you're so much more than what you think you're so much more capable of what you think and then like also too like that race like i left everything out like you know like i i just left it all at on in oregon right and it was it just turned out really great for me and then at kodiak um, this year I was having stomach issues. Um, and I, I have chronic, I have IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome, um, during ultra running. And, um, and I've had it for a long time. I've had it since I was like 20. So it's not anything new. It's just stuff that I have to cope with. Right. And so at that race, I learned that my body's not feeling it today, but my mind is okay. And I can, and I use this really amazing mindset of just being so positive. Um, and I ended up pee, like beating my time from last year for about an hour and 15 minutes. Um, so like, that was something that I knew I, that even though my body wasn't cooperating and I was going to the bathroom, um, a lot, I still, did more than I thought I could, you know, like I still, I still overcame. And then like at Cuyamaca, I just learned that like, again, like I left it all out on the table and like, I, I know that I can, I have that strong, like that was a race where that strong mindset and that like that capableness joined together. And that was, that was pretty amazing as well. So what do you feel helps you strengthen your mindset or has helped you strengthen your mindset over the years? Um, I mean, positive self-talk is pretty good. Um, but I also do some negative, not negative, but like, I'm also like, don't be weak. Like <laughs> you're, you're, like one of my mindset at Harding Hustle was like, you're strong, but she might be stronger. So get your ass moving, you know? Um, 
Tough love, it, right? It, tough love. Yes, exactly. Like, don't be weak. Like, you're, and it's like, you don't feel sick yet. You're not going hard enough. You know? <laughs> um, what is it? And then a lot of the times, too, when other, when, like, when I'm working out with other people, it'd be like, come on, let's go. Like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't a walk in the park, <laughs> you know? So the, those type of things, too. So the positive and the tough love. Um, really strengthen my mindset so do you you catch yourself training with people who are faster than you oh i only like to train with people that are faster than me unfortunately like and and there's and uh, there's nothing against people that are slower than me and uh, i i love running with people that are slower than me but when it gets down to the seriousness of it like I'm using, like, I am such a user. (laughs) I'm like, okay, like, you're faster than me. Come, come, come with me. Push me. (laughs) So, yeah, I, like, when I'm serious, I only like to play, uh, train with people that are faster than me, which, um, which also, it's also helps in that mindset of, like, you always need to catch up. Like, you always need to be better than you were yesterday. So. That's, that's interesting because a lot of people don't like to run with other people because that are faster than them because they don't want to slow them down or they're like, they're shy about it. It's kind of like the opposite effect. They think about it in a different way. I'm a similar as you. I like to run people who are faster than me. I'm usually the slowest one from my group because that's the only way I get better. Like, I feel like if I run by myself, I'm not going to get better. So what, at what point did you realize, like, running with people faster than me is actually a good thing if they want to run with me at this point, right? Like, hey, if you want to run with me, hey, Edgar, if you want to run with me, I'm running with you, right? Um, you know what's funny is I've always done that. So um, when I was in high school, I was on cross, varsity cross country, but I was the slowest person on varsity cross country. And so I was so young at that moment that I think that that's kind of what you know how like you take those habits from when you're young and you just use them all over so like I was in varsity track but again I was the slowest runner in varsity track you know so I got used to that mindset of like being the slowest person there so I actually feel really uncomfortable when I'm the fastest person there because I'm like no I don't belong here like (laughs) Nah, I'm not. I'm not number one. That's why I'm like. That's why I'm always like, okay, I'm not gonna podium because I'm like, uh, these people are fast. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, you'll get your win. I know you will. I know you'll get your win. It'll probably be like unexpected. You're just kind of like, holy smokes, I'm in first place without even realizing it. <laughs> not got a first place, and like, it's not, I mean, it is kind of a low key goal, but it's also like, who shows up that day? And like, it's it's not. It doesn't define me. You know, it doesn't define the type of runner I I I am. I've proved myself over and over and over again, and I think that that's the most important part. That I know that I'm good, and but I know I could be better. So. How, how how's that confidence where does that confidence come from like is it have you always been confident about like your abilities or like did you just realize like the more hard stuff you do and the more hard stuff you accomplish the more confident you get um the confidence is recent the confidence is is building upon like uh talking to other people and like 
the co you know like the confidence that didn't wasn't there all the time um the confidence definitely is like okay like you it's like at noble canyon i was on the podium with jade right and you're like this is this is a big deal like you you don't just get this you know you just don't like so like it, at that point, it's kind of that point where you're like, okay, like I am putting in the work. I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I take pride in like, and this is my most prideful saying is that I have no talent, right? Like, and, and people are like, no, oh, no, you have talent. And I'm like, no, I take pride in the fact that I don't have talent. I take pride in the fact that this is all drive and this is all hard work. This is nothing about me is like, I come from a family who has like diabetes and heart, heart disease and like doesn't do sports and all that stuff. So like, it's not like this is like my bloodline type of thing. This is just all really hard stuff and drive. That's amazing. No, and I think, you know, owning that and a lot of people don't realize how much hard work can beat talent if talent is not working hard. At a certain point, if you, you're face to face with someone who's like very talented and that person's not showing up for the runs and they're just kind of like, you know, winging it and you continue to work hard, hard, eventually you're going to overpass that person because hard work does beat talent. Yeah, I mean, like, what is, someone said hard work works, right? Like, it's, that's just the whole idea where it's just, like, you just show up every day and, like, give your all at the things that you need to give your all at, and you'll be okay, so. Edgar said confidence comes from the pink poles. Yeah, it does, definitely. Yeah, they're 200. They're 200, yeah, so. $200. Of course I'm going to be confident in them. <laughs> So you get those sticks on the trail, like they there's there's sticks. Like you don't need the two hundred dollar poles. Hey, they're like the new heels, right? Poles are the new heels on the trails. So you work so hard, you train so hard. With the hard work, hard training comes solid recovery. What does your recovery look like? Um, my recovery looks sad because I'm like, I just want to be out on the trails again. <laughs> I'm like, when can I go? When can I go? No, um, the recovery from Cuyamaca was actually, um, and that was, a, that was actually one of the points of me running Cuyamaca too, is because I wanted, I, I had just ran Kodiak, right? Um, and I wanted to see how long I, how long from Kodiak to Cuyamaca, how it takes to recover and then what my recovery looks like from Cuyamaca. So I know that I'm still in recovery from Cuyamaca. Um, but I'm still I, I'm still running, right? But I'm I'm taking this time to not do the 10 mile runs during the week, you know? Um I still have a race coming up, so I still kind of have to train, but I wanna train at lower mileage, you know? Um, so a lot of my recovery looks like eating a lot. Um, food is so important. Um and I actually um, I have a, I had a thyroid condition, which almost turned into an autoimmune disease. I had kept having like check, check stuff up and stuff like that. 
Um, but I get flare-ups a lot from my, like, so my blood doesn't make proteins efficiently like other people's does, right? So, which is considered an, an almost an autoimmune disease. Um, so a lot of that I have to combat with food. So it looks like my recovery is just eating, like, when I can eat, you know? Um, it looks like running really slowly, right? Um sleeping a lot like just taking that time to stay in bed till 7 30 instead of five you know so that's kind of what it looks like for me do you do you follow like a nutrition plan do you are you very strict about your meals do you meal prep or you're just kind of like whatever a standard american diet sort of thing um i don't necessarily follow a, a nutrition plan or anything so i do have because i have ibs and because i have um thyroid issues and because of these blood issues that i have um my diet has drastically changed within the past two years um so a lot of anti-inflammatory foods I, I like i have to follow a lot of anti-inflammatory stuff so like as i as i like get more on that healthier end like the flare-ups become less and less and easier to cope with um but i do have to like eat a lot of vegetables and i don't i like when i need to eat like especially when i do long runs i eat a lot of meat because of that iron i'm also iron deficient which a lot of us are you know so it's just like all of those i look at every single food and i say what is it gonna give my body today and i decide that's how i decide if i'm going to eat that food or not so like i i do a lot of salad i eat a lot of chickpeas and beans and a lot of salads and stuff like that so do you notice your performance when you eat more of like high rich density foods low density foods um your performance is better your recovery is better your energy levels are better I've noticed that if I eat more protein, my recovery is a lot faster. Um, and I, I haven't like gone into that vegetarian or that vegan side quite yet because my stomach is so sensitive. I just have to eat what I know, you know, and that's kind of I, I when I tell people like I eat healthy, like I eat healthy for what my stomach can handle, you know, and so I don't. I, I don't have anything like against vegans or vegetarians, but I'm just like, for me, I'm like, I eat what I know that my body will accept. So, yeah. And that's important because it's kind of like, if someone, if you, let's say, for example, if you're allergic to fruits and someone who's thriving in a fruitarian diet, it can kill you if you're allergic to it. Right. So it's, yeah. it's kind of, you have to look at what works best for you. You have to understand your body and see how your body is thriving so it's, it's good to see and get different people's perspective because you know this way people can test different things there's not just a one way of going about things yeah i believe food is intrinsic to the person so <laughs> and, and you and it seems like the key thing is that you're using you look at food like fuel like you're looking at it as like the protein the carbs like what what is it that my body needs at the moment does it need iron you know do i need to get some beans do i need to get some salads do it greens like you're looking at the food as the nutrients it comes with not necessarily the food itself yeah exactly i mean like i, I a lot of the times like it, when you look a lot of like in the work environment right like at work like a lot of 
people that are not runners, they look at, they're like, always oh, like the calories or like the fats. And I'm like, oh, I can't get to stay out of that. I don't want to listen. <laughs> like, I'm just going to eat whatever my body's craving at the moment. <laughs> I, I'm really enjoying my tacos right now, so don't talk to me. <laughs> so I know we're getting over, like going towards the end of the podcast, but what what's your ethnicity, Paloma? Um, so... I, um, so my dad is Hispanic, right? So my dad's fat, my dad grew up in East LA. So he, um, Dodger fan. I actually was born, um, in Santa Barbara and I, I grew up in Oxnard. So I'm actually not from San Diego. Um, so my dad's parents came from Mexico. So kind of like I'm second generation, um, Hispanic on, or, and then my mom is, um, from Ecuador. Um. And so she came over when she was about two years old. Um, she grew up in Glendale. Um, and so that's where that's where they met and that's where they they grew up. So technically I'm Mexican and Ecuadorian. So So being a Latina in this ultra running world where it's dominated well first it's dominated by male, so the female population is like really small. And then the Latina population within those females is even smaller. How does it feel being a Latina, representing Latinas out in this community for you? Um, I'm such a hater sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I look at the podiums. I always look at the podiums and I'm like, they're all white people. Like, and there's nothing against white people because I'm married to a white person, right? Um, <laughs> but God damn it. Like there's like there's no one that looks at it looks like us like on that podium, right? So it feels really good to be on there and to like show diversity on there. Um and it just really goes to show you that this sport is a privileged sport. Like there's there's nothing that's not privileged about this sport. You're not it's not just a basic I need to get shoes and go and run like people like to say it is. It, it's absolutely not. Um, it, it's a lot of like, I don't know, you see a lot of white people in privileged sports. So then when you when I'm in there, right, it feels really good to have a seat at the table and to like say that like I am I am in this privileged sport, but I'm still like successful. So yeah, and I think that's important because I feel like at least like for us, right, we're both Latinas. It's hard to see another person that looks like us. And it kind of, I, at first, I felt like an outsider. And sometimes I still feel like an outsider. Like, do I really belong here? I kind of feel like I don't belong here. And there, I don't race a lot because it's expensive. I'm a single mother. Like, I can't afford races. I can't afford to travel. And I can't afford to do a lot of it. And it's hard. And I feel like it's not talked enough about it where other Latinas may look at, or even our culture. I feel like our culture, like my mom looks at me. She's like, why are you running? Why are you hurting yourself? Like, I feel like our culture, even our family are not really support. I don't know how about you, but in my case, my family's not very supportive of this crazy sport that I do. They don't understand. Yeah. My mother is just like, what's wrong with you? And my father doesn't, uh, my, my dad, my dad will, my dad loves to boast about me. He won't boast about me to my face, but he will tell other people like, oh, she's, she, he told one of his friends that I, it's kind of true, but it's not really true. He's like, 
she's she's traveling the country doing races. And I was like, I guess that's kind of true, but like, okay. <laughs> what, what do you want to tell to other Latina runners who kind of want to do this, but they feel like an outsider or they feel like, you know, is this really a place for me? I don't feel, they don't feel like they belong. Like, what do you want to share a message to those women? I feel like we have to say that like, okay, like we, there is seats at the table, right? Like it's not, it's, it's so white dominated, but like it's, it's, we, we can come into this sport and we can um, dominate this sport. Um, and a lot of it is just like, be yourself and, and be happy and, and just get out there and do do the things that you want to do despite if you don't feel like you belong because there's someone always there's there's always going to be someone that you can connect with in this sport so and i think that's the amazing part is at the end of the day it's the community you know we're all ultra runners and we all know what we all endure pain at certain levels and i think that's where we all kind of like I feel you. When you meet another ultra runner, we're such a small community. We're a big community, but such a small community that you're like, oh, you get me. You understand this. Well, it's funny. Like, you'll see, like, on a Saturday or something, you'll see, like, someone dressed in, like, a backpack. And they're wearing the the ultra running uniform, right? And you're like, I feel like a, like a dog. Like, I'm like, okay, who's that? I'm literally, like, waiting for them. I'm like, do I know them? Like, have you seen them before? <laughs> who is that? Who is that? Who is that? And then I'm like, I don't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's so true. Because you can tell, you know, when you go on a hike, like, let's say you're just hiking and you can catch, you can tell the difference between like a hiker or another trail runner out on the trails. Yeah, exactly. My last, well, I have two more questions. One, my last question is what has ultra running taught you? Oh, gosh. So That's far. <laughs> I think it's biggest is, um, I think one of the biggest thing, and I think about that question too, like how, what, how, what has this sport taught me? And it's like for me to be closer to my family and to be closer to nature and stuff. Um, but I think the best thing is like, uh, appreciate where you're at in your body at that time, you know, like really appreciate your body and what it does for you. Um, and I think that's just the most important part. Like there's a lot of, um, like, it's so hard nowadays, like with Instagram and like, like trying to be thin and all those like things. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like, and same with the food, right? Like be appreciative of where you're at, how you look and what you feel in your body because your body is doing this for you. And it's just an amazing thing. So that's probably the best lesson that I learned from ultra running. And that's a big lesson because we get so caught up in the future that we forget to appreciate the present and then in the future we look back and we're like oh my god i wish now i wish i was like last year or before you're never in the moment yes yes exactly and my last question for you paloma is what do you want to share with the community the podcast is mainly for women you know who want to get on the trails i want to get more women on the trails i want it to be more competitive out there you know, like we, we want to get more women, we want to get more diversity out there. Like what, what, what words of encouragement would you like to share with our community? Um, words of encouragement. Okay. 
Um, well, the first thing that comes to mind, because I have such a potty mouth, like, I'm like, get it fucking done. <laughs> um, but, like, I think the most, like, I think the most encouraging thing that I can say is that you are not who you are yesterday. You know, like every day that you show up to this sport, you're going to get better. Every time you do a race, you're going to like it more. Um, it's never going to be as it's never going to be as painful as the first time, you know. So, like, I, I think that the whole idea to encourage people to get out there is like you're never you're it's like it's just you're always going to get better that's the idea and so just keep showing up and you're you'll kick butt so yes there you have it guys and ladies keep showing up this is a journey it's not a destination and that was really inspiring paloma you've actually inspired me like man i want to get on the train on a training block already to start running soon <laughs> Oh, but no, no, thank you so much, Paloma, for joining me today. And thank you, everyone who joined us today in the chat. Um, if you guys caught this later or you're listening to this podcast, you guys can rewatch it. I'm going to upload it later tonight on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And if you're listening to the podcast, this is Paloma on Instagram, is Paloma is cool, right? Yes. With the K. With the K. Paloma is cool with the K. Check her out. I'll tag her in the show notes. She's training for Ray Miller. 50 miler? Yeah, 50 miler is the next one. 50 miler that's, is the next one. That's the next one. So if you guys are on Ray Miller, make sure you guys cheer her on. She'll most likely be wearing pink. If not, she'll be running with the big smile on her face, killing it, crushing it. So thank you, everyone. Thank you so much, Paloma. And until next time. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. <laughs> <laughs>